Well, we're in uh, the first part of our series. If you're new with us, uh, we like to uh, take a subject and see what the Scripture has to say about it, and, uh, and then we, we move on and we talk about something different. So I, uh, th- this message, um, um, if you, sometimes, sometimes I, I hear feedback a little bit that I'm um, maybe a little bit soft, and, uh, and so um, I, I don't know. At, at the end of today, you're going to have to maybe reevaluate because I'm going to be an equal step on your toe offender today. And, uh, and so at the end of today, I guarantee you, no one's going to like me at all. So um, that, that'll be all right. Um, because of what we're going to talk about, we're so passionate about, and, I, and I'm passionate about it. And, uh, and, and so, you know, I'm, I'm going to step on my own toes as well. Um, and, and I wanted to talk about this uh, subject at this particular time um, because the temperature is kind of you know, a little bit lower than it normally is. And, uh, and so, um, you know, as we kind of ramp into, and, and, and here's the thing, I was going to tell you right up front, um, we, we, we don't really talk politics. And so as we get into this, you're like, oh, this is a political message. It's really not. Okay. So hang in there. If you're, if you're like, oh, I don't want a church that, that, uh, it gets political. Um, but I wanted to talk about, um, you know, how we should conduct ourselves through an election process. And, and in the years or in the time when, when, when politics gets kind of ramped up and the temperature in our nation kind of gets ramped up and we probably get ramped up and, 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 and there's jawing back and forth and there's, there's, um, there, there's all kinds of, of angst that happens between certain individuals and there's stuff that's put on, there's constantly stuff on Facebook. And some of you are just like, I just want to run, right? I just want to get out of it. Some of you love it, right? You kind of love and, and, and foster some of it. Um, but here's what the thing that I see. And the reason I wanted to talk about it right now before we get there, uh, so that maybe you could pre-decide some things before you get there, is I feel like um, that, you know, if you're a Jesus follower, and I, let me just clarify, I'm talking to to the Jesus followers in the room, in the room in Kozad, those of you online, if you're you know, a Jesus follower, you consider yourself a Christian, this message is specifically for you. Um, if you're not a Jesus follower, you do whatever you want. You, you, don't have to take, you don't have to do any of what I'm talking about today. So, um, but the thing that I find is, is Jesus followers, we have Jesus on the throne of our life, and then it's election year. And then we replace Jesus at the throne of our life with our political party. And whatever they say or whatever they, you know, are, are ranting about at the moment, that kind of dictates, you know, that becomes Lord of our life. And, uh, and so I just kind of wanted to head it off at the past because there's, there's really some things that we should really focus in on as a church corporately and, and, and individually, it's a little bit different, but uh, the bottom line this morning, in case you fall asleep, the bottom line this morning is the corporate church has been given a specific mandate, and that specific mandate is to lead people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so, as Jesus followers, your allegiance, my allegiance is to Jesus not my political party. Your political party is not your Lord. It's not your Lord. 
And even in the year of the election, it's not your Lord. I know that's surprising, but it's, it's, it's not. See, the church's mission is not to win elections for a certain party. And I get all kinds of pressure in the years when there's an, uh, an election, a primary, and then, and, and then election. I get all kinds of pressure from people just saying, Eric, you need to stand, you know, you need to make a stand on stage and stand up for, and, and, and use the church, use my platform to, to try and sway people to, to vote a certain way. And, and so it's just like, mm, that's not our mission. Our, our mission is not to win elections, and trust me, um, I, I'm, I'm passionate about politics. I'm passionate about some policies that I really, really believe would help our nation thrive. I'm, I am passionate about that, but I'm not going to take Jesus off the throne to get to those policies. Whenever the church, whenever the church abandoned its Christ-ordained mandate, we lose our influence and our ability to be the conscience of the nation. Whenever the church abandons, let me, let, me, let me say it this way. If the church reduces itself to kingdoms of this world aspirations, like elections, that's kingdom of this world aspirations, whenever the church reduces itself, because our aspirations are much higher than any kingdom of, uh, of this world, we lose our voice and we are reduced to winning or losing. It's so interesting to me. It's kind of like the Republicans, if you're a Republican, and, you know, and, and here, here's what I love about the crossing. In the, we have, we have, you're not going to believe this, we have Republicans and Democrats as a part of this church. In fact, we have, we have people from backgrounds from Catholic to Baptist and everything in between. I mean, the, we are a melting pot of, of every different background, every different thought, and I Love that. But here's, here's the thing that, that I see is, is the Republicans sit over here and, and you know, we, we launch over and we, we view the Democrats, we view them as godless, you know, lost souls that are going to go to hell because they, you know, they have no regard for God's word. They, 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 they don't, uh, you know, take take anything that God says seriously. They don't, they don't fear God, and, uh, and, and so they're lost. So if that's your view, if you're Republican, and that's your view of the Democrats, doesn't that make them the mission field? So Democrats, all five of you in this in Nebraska, there's not as many, right? But there's some, so it's, it's good. But Democrats, same thing, right? You, you look at the Republicans and, and, and you're like, you know what? They're lost souls. They're going to hell because they're, they're, they're incompassionate with people. It's like they don't, they don't care for people and, and they disregard and they're so not compassionate to people. And, 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 and so if that's true, aren't they the mission field? And so if, if, if that's the case and we actually would say, yes, that, that is our mission field as a, as a church, well, what, what is the mandate then of the church? Well, Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse 19, he says, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. So what's important to God in this world? What's most important to God in this world is reconciling the world to himself to make the, what was broken fixed, 
to make what was broken right again. So, well, if, if that's what you want to do, God, if you want, you know, if you want to reconcile people back to you, what's your plan for making that happen? What's your plan for getting the message out to people? What's your plan for that? Well, he gave us, who's us? Corporate church. He's talking to the corporate Corinthians and extending it, corporate church to the crossing. Those of you in, in, in Crossing and Cozad, Crossing Gothenburg, he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. He's trusted us with that message. Here's how you can be reconciled back to God. So God is making his appeal through us. He's making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ. We're speaking on behalf of Jesus. We're actually representing him in this world. We're representing him saying, here's how you, you know, come back to God. Here's how you can be reconciled to God. He's given us that message. He's trusting us with that message. And we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. So it amazes me, how effective then do you think it is to get on Facebook or Instagram or whatever social media platform you get on and tell the world that the other party is a bunch of stupid idiots? I think it's going to be hard to accomplish our mission. It's like we, we just take Jesus off the throne and we put our party up there and want me at our corporate gathering to leverage my platform for a certain political party in the name of saving our nation and expect us to be able to accomplish our mission of leading anybody to Christ. See, we lose our influence. If God has entrusted us with this message and then we just turn around and barrage other people, ah, See, if I stand back in my corner and, and I'm right, and really I do think my policies are right. If you want to know what they are, I'll tell you later. But Right? Because your policies are right too, right? I mean, you got the right ones. You'll set the path on the rights. So I'm just going to sit back here and I'm going to throw the, you know, I'm going to throw those truth bombs into, into the culture. But what we tend to do is we don't just talk about policy we actually demonize individuals, individuals that Jesus died for, individuals that God loves. See, you can decide, you get to decide. You get to decide to follow Jesus or not. You, 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 you could decide that. But here's what you don't get to decide. You don't get to decide what following Jesus sounds like, acts like, or reacts like because that has been prescribed to us as Jesus followers. We don't get to decide, you know, our tone. We don't get to decide the approach. We don't get to decide, you know, because Jesus has ascribed that to us. He, he's, he's showing, I mean, you just open up the New Testament, it's like, oh, but somehow or another, in our culture, demonizing the other political party has become an exercise in virtue. 
And it's not going to get any better. In fact, it's going to get worse. And social media is just going to ramp it to a whole nother level. Because we live in a shorts, and if you're, if you're older than, than 50, I'm so sorry. You're not going to know what some of these are. In fact, you may not know what most of these are. But trust me, the, the, the younger folks in our audience, they know what all these are. We live in a shorts, real, TikTok, boom, mic drop, win the argument and walk away culture. Right? And so, I, and, we, and we watch, you watch these reels, these short little clips, and, and it's like, and, you know, and this person just totally verbally puts this other person in their place and boom, mic drop, walk away, and like, <laughs> now, what are the chances? What are the chances that you think that that person was like, oh, I was wrong, I'm going to become a Democrat now. Oh, I was wrong. I'm going to become a Republican now. What are the chances? Zero. Do you think that gains influence? It doesn't. It just makes you feel good about yourself because you dominated someone else and then you walked away. That's not God's way. That's not how we gain influence with our neighbor. See, as long as this is our approach, we lose our influence and there's no chance for us to accomplish our mission. How in the world will we ever see anyone meet, follow, and love Jesus if we just, you know, smack them around and and disregard them and push them down and then say, hey, do you want to meet Jesus? See, it just just won't work. So the Apostle Paul, he, he says something that's really disturbing in, in Philippians. In, uh, in Philippians chapter 2, he says, do everything without complaining and arguing. Okay, time out. Paul, maybe, maybe things were different in the first century because um, you, you're not living in America, Right? I mean, do everything without complaining and arguing? Are you kidding me? I mean, that's, that's what we do. As Jesus followers, do everything without complaining and arguing. Well, why would we do that, Paul? That just seems so passive. So that no one can criticize you. So, so, so no one can, can, can say, you know what? You've just totally disqualified yourself. So you, you act in such a way that that, you know what, I'm going to stop listening to you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. So Paul, you're saying in the first century there was crooked and perverse people too? I thought that was just America in 2023. Paul's like, Actually, if you lived where I lived in the first century, you would think things are really pretty good. I mean, you want to talk about perverse and crooked. (laughs) See, what's interesting, you watch Paul and what he does. Paul leveraged violence in the name of God 
to get people to see things his way. And if they didn't, and if they wouldn't stop, then he would have them arrested and he would have them put to death. And then Paul met Jesus on Damascus Road. And what happens? You read the rest of the New Testament. What happens with Paul? Does he ever have violent situations? Yes. All the time, in fact. But what side of the violent situation was he on? He was the one being flogged. He was the one being whipped. He was the one being stoned. He was the one being bitten. Bitten? I don't know if they bit him. Maybe they did. been a long morning. He was the one being beaten. There you go, most. Good job. I'll take a sip of water after that one. Oh, my gosh. And ultimately, he was the one who was beheaded. Stark difference. See, it's extraordinary to watch him. The best way to change our nation is not politicizing everything, and especially the church. The best way to change our nation is to lead it to Jesus. That's why, that's why Paul, when, when he's describing these different groups that, he's, you know, that are kind of vying for him, that kind of want to pull him in and, and say, hey, champion our deal, because he had three distinct different groups. He had the, the, the local priesthood in every single one of these towns that he was going to that was kind of vying for him. He had the temple that was kind of vying for him. And the Romans, the Gentiles. He had three specific different groups that were kind of just like, hey, champion our deal, champion our deal. And in, in, in Corinthians chapter 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he, he starts talking to me like, hey, when, you know, even though I'm not from Judea, um, and, and the Judeans are, are, were considered in the first century the Jews, right? But, uh, but Paul was from Tarsus, and so he was from, he kind of grew up in a different culture, but he's like, so, but, but when I'm with the Judeans or when, when I'm with the Jews, you know, I just, I, I, I operate in a way that I gain influence with them. And when I'm with those who are under the law, with the temple, I, I, I live in such a way that I have influence with them. And when I'm with the Romans or when I'm with the Gentiles, I live in such a way to have influence with them. And then he kind of sums it up in verse 22. He says, when I'm with those who are weak, I share their weakness. Well, why would you do that, Paul? For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find, what's this word? What are these two words? Common ground. It's powerful. You're like, no, Eric. Trust me. There's no common ground between me and those Republicans. There's no common ground between me and those Democrats. I just... It is no different than the groups that the Apostle Paul is trying to find common ground with. As far as the divide in ideology, 
and theology, no difference. And Paul is saying, look, I, I'm, I'm trying to find common ground with everyone. Why would you do that, Paul? Why don't you just stand back and just tell them where they have it wrong and they need to get it right? Because I'm going to do everything short of sin to save some. Because that's the mandate of the corporate church. A couple of observations from that verse. Paul had several different groups pulling at him and the local priesthood, the, the temple, and the Gentiles. But Paul was okay living in the messy middle. And so was Jesus. He was okay living in the messy middle, and, and, and he got arrows from both sides. And, and if you are daring enough to, to find common ground the best that you can and somehow be in this messy middle, even though you may have very strong opinions like I do about some policy issues that I love our country and I hate seeing it go down the, the, the drain and I hate seeing it where it goes and I don't want it to self-destruct and I so want to see it go in a healthy direction. There is something bigger than just this nation and this messy middle. That's where problems are solved. That's where influence is found to each side. So before you're, you're, you're thinking, well, so Eric, are you saying you don't want us to be a part of the political process? Not at all. I, I'm not advocating of that at all. I'm not advocating that you should remove yourself from the political process. In fact, quite the opposite. You should be involved from voting, that should be the bottom rung, from voting to running for office, whether that's locally, whether that's, you know, uh, county, whether that's uh, state, or whether that's federal. But your posture and your tone and your approach should reflect that of our Lord. So, I got some questions. Are you able to disagree with someone and still treat them with respect? Are are you able to disagree with someone and still look into their eyeballs and say, this is someone that Jesus loves and died for? Are you able to love the person and disagree with their politics? Are you able to restrain from wide-brushing everyone in a certain political party as having the same beliefs? So I lean right in in my politics, and I'm conservative, and I lean right in, in terms of policy. And so, you know, my, my, my Democrat friends, um, They'll post stuff on Facebook, and I'm just, I'm just like, and part of me wants to call and say, do you realize you, what you just called me? Did you mean that about me? Because I guarantee you, they would be like, oh, no, not you. I don't, I don't mean that about you. Well, you just, you just wide-brushed an entire group of people. Don't do that. Don't do that. See, Tim Keller, he, 
he's so brilliant. He, he, he says a quote that's just, it's extraordinary. He says, when the church as a whole is no longer seen as speaking to questions that transcend politics, and when it is no longer united by a common faith that transcends politics because the mandate that's been given to the church transcends, it's bigger than politics, it transcends it, it's bigger than it is. But when we, you know, when we reduce it down, then the world sees a strong evidence that Nietzsche and Freud and Marx were right, that religion is really just a cover for people wanting to get their way in the world. The church is just an extension of the Democrat Party. The church is just an extension of the Republican Party. They, they, don't, they, don't have a man, they don't have a mission that transcends politics. They exist to just leverage their platform to get people to vote the way they want them to vote. And whoever's on stage has the most power to try to persuade them to do it. See, the church's mission is not to save America from itself. It's not. And I hope America is saved from itself. I really do. But that's not the church's mission. We should not be seen simply as leveraging religion to get our way in the world. So, Here's what I would love for you to do. If your political party does something or takes a policy position you don't agree with because of your faith, call out your own party. Like, don't make an excuse for them. If, you know, if, if I lean right and, and, and someone says something in such a way, it's like, oh my gosh, that was awful. And my Democrat friend over here is like, that was awful. And I'm like, well, that, yeah, it might be, but it's not as awful as this. What, what is that? Just say, yep, you're right, that was awful. Right? Because what do we do? Don't give them cover by making excuses or saying it's moral failure, my political party's moral failure is not as bad as yours, and somehow justify it or just turn a blind eye and not really look at it. Another thing, could, would you separate policy from person? Separate policy from person. Here's the thing, if, if, you, if you just can't help yourself and you're going to rant about something on, on social media, rant about this policy. But don't demonize somebody. Separate it. Separate that. You can criticize policy, and you can respect the individual at the same time. Don't fall for the emotional game. The messy middle is where problems are solved, and that's where influence is found. But the emotional game of both sides is to pull us out of the middle to the extremes, because as long as they can keep you scared to death, guess what they can do? Raise money. Fear is a phenomenal fundraiser. 
And if they can continue to make you think that we're losing, and if you don't step up, and if you don't step up today, then democracy is, it, it's over, it's done, it's gone. Our nation will be, well, this is the last election. I mean, it just goes on and on, day after day after day after day. Fear, 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 pulling you out. Don't fall for that. And finally, if you want America to thrive, begin a Jesus revolution, not a political party revolution. Jesus is the hope of not only America, it's the hope of the world. So Jesus followers, you got plenty of time to think about it before we kind of ramp things up, right? So I hope you will. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, whoo! This one gets right up in our grill. This one's hard. But Jesus, <laughs> what you've required of us is more than a song. And this is really the way to worship you. And, and we will shine as bright lights in a crooked and perverse generation, in a crooked, perverse culture, especially in election years when we handle things completely different than everybody else is handling it. So God, I pray that you would help us. Help us to maintain our influence Help us to have the, the, the eyes and the heart of Jesus to, to lead people to, to him. So Jesus, you are the hope, not only this nation, but you're the hope of the world. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.